Coming to you from Jonesboro, Tennessee, at the International Storytelling Center, we'd like to welcome you to Storytown Radio, Jonesboro's original storytelling radio show. We're so glad to have you at the opening of our ninth season. Can you believe it? I'm your host, Katie Rosalowski. And I'm your co-host, Jason Richards. I tell you, Katie, I love being up here on the stage each month. It's one of my favorite things to do. Then tonight's the perfect night to be here, because we've got a show all about our favorite things. Well, you might wonder whose favorite things. Well, it's a show about our community's favorite things. That's right, Jason. The Storytown Brigade has gone out into the hollers and hills across this region, collecting stories from our neighbors. Those stories are all put together for tonight's show. Then we cast members get to step into the shoes of our neighbors and bring their stories to life. And we've got some pretty incredible tales tonight. Well, you say that like they're made up. These are real stories about real people. Well. Or as our writer Jules likes to say, it started out true. (laughs) Before we get started, I want to acknowledge a few of our show's favorite things. And those would be our sponsors for this season. We'd like to thank the Tennessee Arts Commission for their generous support of our program. We'd also like to thank those wild women of Jonesboro. And we certainly appreciate their supporting the important stories of Northeast Tennessee. We'd like to thank Nancy Hope and Odie Major for sponsoring the program. And finally, we'd like to thank Main Street Cafe and Catering for sponsoring us this season. Katie, before we get started, I want to know what one of your favorite things might want to be. Well, I would have to say... Time traveling. Beg pardon? I'm serious. I visit my sweet mama every day, and more and more, she has trouble connecting to this time period. She feels more connected to her earlier life, so she takes me time traveling. Every day I go in, I'm I'm not sure where we'll be. At first, it wasn't one of my favorite things. I worried about her not being able to come back to the present but I've learned to just be her companion on her journeys. Let me show you. Hey, Brett, uh, may we have a little time travel music, please? Are you okay, sweet mama? Where are we going, Katie? Oh, to your favorite places, as usual. And you'll tell me along the way as you see familiar sights. Well, let's open the window. It's a little dark. Look at those hillsides. Oh, the cows. You know, Daddy rented a cow. We didn't own it outright, and you could do that back then. I learned how to milk it. Not right away, but eventually. Sweet Mama experiences adventure in every outing. No matter how often we've traversed the landscape, it's always a new surprise for her to see it. With her memory being what it is, as the Alzheimer's tightens its grip, The thoughts and memories she still holds so dearly sometimes slip from its grasp and spill out. Her days as a little girl, following her father with the rented cow. Her school days, life in a small rural town. For me, it is a repeated story told almost every day, sometimes more than that. But for sweet mama, it is something else. Important moments replayed over and over, not of great deeds or exciting turns, just her daily activities of another time, a time my mother feels more at home in 
more secure in than the time we're in now. So we go time traveling together every day. She brings me back, brings herself back. But each day, she seems to have a harder time making her way back to the present. For me, sometimes it's exhausting. Living in this daily deja vu, negotiating between our return to the present and, and reliving the experiences over and over again. But time travel does that to you. One year, Daddy got a new rental cow. And I was wearing a red dress when I met the new cow. And it got very anxious. That cow even tried to kick me, and it flat out refused to give milk when I was near, so I was banished from the barn. But the next summer, I remembered to never wear red, and that cow let me milk her. On our travels, Sweet Mama looks at the ranches and the farms here and asks, how can crops grow when the land is so hilly? And all those flowering trees, what are they? Crepe myrtles, sweet mama. Oh, crepe myrtles. We never had those in Illinois. I'll have to remember crepe myrtles. She remembers the maples and oaks from her childhood, but doesn't remember crepe myrtles. So, on every trip, I explain to her what they are. Why do so many folks own pickup trucks? So many. Let's count them. We start to count the red ones, 22 in 15 minutes. Then she forgets we're counting. Hmm, look at all those pickup trucks. Why do so many people drive them? Daddy and I used to count cars that would go by, and sometimes as many as seven or eight would pass by in a single day. <laughs> Maybe we should count the trucks. So we count again. She loves when we go downtown because Main Street reminds her of home. Then we pass a sprawling, immaculately kept building that looks like a mansion. Mom says she'd like to go inside and check it out. Then she sees the sign that says, funeral home. No, 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 not yet. <laughs> she comments on what the cows are doing. We are lucky today because they're bathing, and she sees a few baby calves. We never owned our own cow, but Daddy rented a new one each summer. She chats about the hay bales, the colorful tractors, and the houses that are so far apart from one another. Then we do it all over again, and again, and again. Guess what's the first thing I'm going to do when we get back? I'm going to say a prayer of thanks. Thank you for taking me out. I'm sorry I'm so much trouble. In her moment of awareness, I feel her anguish and anxiety. <clears throat> Sweet mama, I love you just the way you are. And I love all the trips we take together through time. Thanks, Katie. I can see how time traveling with your mom is your favorite thing. Up next, we've got a story about Elizabeth's grandmother and her favorite things. 
My grandmother collected cats, cat cross stitches, porcelain cats, cat coasters, even the cat clock with the wagging tail. Before I knew her, she had more cats than I could ever count. They lined and crowded my grandparents' bookcases, the top shelves, of course, cats, then books, then photo albums. They harbored the most treasured places in the curio cabinets. It was never difficult shopping for grandma. There was always a new cat brooch or a bracelet to buy. Grandmother treasured everyone and she placed them with thought and care on the end tables and nightstands, marveling at their expressions. When she passed, there was no one to look after her beloved cats. There was just a stale, empty house and outdated furniture and a dust bunny smell overrun with cat figurines. Treasures to only one person, bagged in black trash bags and deposited at the local Goodwill, except for one pink porcelain kitty that now sits on my bookshelf next to the books. Even now, more than a decade after the black bags carried the cats away, I can't see a tacky kitty cat Christmas sweater or cat coffee mug without thinking how it would make my grandma smile. Maybe it still does. I'm from Malone Holler, and if you're from here, you know what my favorite thing is. Made right down in the holler. And you know where to get it, by following the smoke rising up from the pines. It's good. What ails you? Are you talking about barbecue? Barbecue? In Malone Holler? Are you new here or something? Well, sort of. Why else would smoke be rising up out of the pines? She, honest to goodness, doesn't know, does she? I don't think she does. Malone Holler has long storied history of making the best moonshine anywhere. It's a time-worn recipe following Rockingham Road, and well, if you know, then you know how to get there. If you don't, then you don't need to know. <laughs> Rockingham's always been known for its brew. The original brew. The kind you see cooking a mile away. While there was a time back in the 20s, there, if there was a stand of trees or a branch of water that didn't have white vapors rising to the sky like spirits. Spirits, all right. The best is the Appalachia Rockin' Hands original brew. The sugar, corn, yeast, malt, and water brew. Not necessarily in that order. I know the order and how much of each. Granddaddy passed the recipe to us. Tradition is big in these parts. And don't you forget it. Still, there's always a little room for improvement. Don't try nothing fancy to make it better. Youngins always try to make something fancy that don't need to be. You see, some of that new fruit-flavored moonshine for sale in liquor stores? Liquor stores? You won't find my stuff for sale in no liquor store. Goes against tradition. Look, if you don't have to hide your still, if you don't have to make the deals behind the bends in the roads, you ain't really selling moonshine. Me? I make moonshine. 100% pure moonshine. And I don't need changing my recipe. 
I don't want you putting no blueberry essence or apricot peach or that dang blasted pogranate. I can't even get that denture cream anymore that ain't pogranate flavored. Ain't nobody wants to drink pomegranate moonshine. You stick with the recipe. You hear me? <laughs> Granddaddy has two rules when it comes to making shine. Stick to the recipe. And don't get caught. And don't forget, it's good for what ails you, too. Granddaddy said there was this doctor, took care of folks around here, never had a sick day in his life till last winter. We got lots of snow and ice. He called up the operator and he said he wasn't going to make rounds. Before Granddaddy knows it, there's a knock on the door. Sheriff's outside. Granddaddy's just made a new batch of brew and was about to violate rule number two. He ain't got time to hide it, and he figures, Well, I'm going to jail. Take it easy, Pappy. I ain't here to arrest you. I'm on official business. I need a gallon of your recipe. Medicinal purposes. <laughs> Medicinal? Yeah, Gladys called around and said old Doc is sick. Folks around here need him pretty bad. Last time I got the bug and Missy poured me a little of your stuff and by morning I was good to go. So, Pappy, I need a gallon to bring to Doc so's I can nurse him back to health. How much I owe you? Well, usually it's 50 cents a jar, a dollar fifty a case. But since it's professional courtesy, let's say double half price. Oh, just kidding. A George Washington and we'll call her even. Now here's the sheriff, in his uniform, in his marked car, making a transaction. He carried the moonshine over to Doc's place. Doc, who took a good snort and fell asleep, woke up the next morning fit as granddaddy's fiddle. Like I said, good for what ails you. Tell you what, you ain't going to see that nowhere but Rockingham, because we got the original. The Rockingham Brew. I've got a story for you. Not about Rockingham, but closer to Rock Hill. That's in South Carolina. Well, it's a bit further past that in Union, South Carolina, close to where our musicians come from tonight. There's a place there where you are bound to find your favorite thing. It's a combination antique store get your taxes done, and have your pets spayed on Mondays. <laughs> right in the heart of town. That is a very strange assortment of businesses. Well, that store is a strange assortment of objects. When a Storytown play was being produced there, the script called for a scene to have one of those old transistor radios from the 1950s. Oh, a Sputnik crystal radio. My mother had one of those. Well, nobody seemed to have one in Union. Freddie suggested the team take a trip to the antique tax pet spay place. Well, just hearing about that place made the team want to go. Well, I'll bet. I want to go right now. They got there, and room after room was filled with items from every decade of the 1800s and the 1900s, but... There was not really any order. Well, how could you find anything? Yeah, exactly. So the owner came out and welcomed the strangers. Hi there, folks. What can I help you with? Yeah, they explained that they've been looking for one of those radios all over for more than a month and couldn't find one. And 
We're about to have the set designer make one out of wood or cardboard and then paint it. Uh, then the owner said, Oh, the Sputnik radio. Do you want the green one or the red one? Uh, he had not one, but two of these radios, and he knew exactly where to go. In 30 seconds flat, he produced it. I guess he had his own filing system. Yeah, he sure did, and found it right away for us. He let the team borrow the green one, but they stayed around a while, just marveling at all of the items in the store. And they found a few more props that had been impossible to find to that point. Before they left, he told them, Come on by if you need anything else. I reckon I have a little of everything. And they, they asked him, Well, sir, how many items do you have to have before you have everything? And without a beat, the man answered back, I'd say 800. Once I accumulated 800 things in this store, nobody seemed to leave without finding what they came for. Of course, some people come to look and find things they didn't know they needed, too. <laughs> so, yeah, if you ever want to feel like you have everything, just get you 800 things, and there you go. <laughs> And that was a true story from Union, South Carolina. Now, we're going to go back to some of our favorite things, but we're going to go back, way back for, in the past for this one. That's right. It's time to check in with one of our favorite segments we like to call... Ask the Historian! I have the honor of filling in for your usual historian this evening. Anne had to attend to some county business. So she requested my presence for tonight's show about favorite things, mentioning that I just happened to be somebody's favorite. <laughs> Former Governor Alf Taylor, this is a surprise. Well, it shouldn't be. Jonesboro's sesquicentennial is tomorrow. Such a big to-do, so of course I'm here. Uh, seeing how it's been a while, let's catch up. These old bones creak more than they used to, but they still hold me up. I'm here to accept those fine new monuments tomorrow, that uh, big obelisk in honor of Jesse Walton, plus that Boone Trail marker gifted by the Daughters of the American Revolution. I'm accepting them on behalf of our current governor, who was um, unable to be here. So they sent me instead. <laughs> I'm better to look at. <laughs> anyway, I'd hate to show the poor fellow up if he was here, so best if I just do it myself. Uh, of course, this party was supposed to be last year. But I know that Jonesboro was installing your new sewer system. <laughs> Mighty glad for it, too. Town smells markedly better than any time in my previous recollection. Oh, and uh, that Walton Obelisk also functions as a public drinking fountain. <laughs> Now, I have yet to see if it actually works, so don't get your hopes up too high or uh, 
let your throats get too parched. I am happy to be in residence next door at the old Chester Inn. It happens to be one of my favorite things. I have so many memories in that building. Why, last time it was 1911, right before, right before our Bob passed away. Oh, he was a character, but <laughs> I don't have to tell you that. He, he and I, we did a show here that very September, uh, up there at that school auditorium on the hill. We performed the fiddle and the bow, one of our personal favorites. Well, afterwards, there was a big reception over at the Russell Hotel. But then we all came back here to the Chester Inn and played and played until the sun came up. I uh, don't play the fiddle much anymore. My fingers are stiffer than they used to be and sadly the music doesn't sound as good as it once did. To be honest, I wasn't even sure if I wanted to return to Jonesboro, afraid of the memories, maybe. But I knew I needed to, to visit for Bob. You see, congressman, governor, senator, those were merely our day jobs, but our favorite thing, what we really loved to do was fiddle. We played Job's Opera House over yonder in Johnson City. Such a beautiful venue. Uh, of course, it's, uh, it's gone now too. So good thing the Chester Inn still survives. Oh, it needs some work, but I'm, I'm sure that'll come. And yes, Job's Opera House. <laughs> now that was an establishment. I can still hear the music with fiddling John Carson playing behind us. Going to Cripple Creek, going to Rome, going to Cripple Creek, going back home. <laughs> and I can still hear my brother Bob telling his jokes from Yankee Doodle and Dixie. Mason and Dixon's line is still there, but it is only the dividing line between cold bread and hot biscuits. <laughs> Yet there it shall remain so long as the Yankee says, you hadn't ought to do it. And the southerner says, hmm, I done done it. <laughs> I've seen many of our old friends on this trip, and it's been good to reminisce. Well, you remember our campaign against each other for governor way back in 1886? 
the press ballyhooed it as the War of the Roses. Well, our war was somewhere between, in time, between those actual battles of the Lancasters and Yorks for the English throne and the very real fight for women's suffrage right here in Tennessee. Now, uh, I can't say that Bob stole the election from me when he won, but he did steal my speech once on the campaign trail. You see, I, I was out in the morning greeting our constituents, letting Bob speak first that day when next thing I know, I hear my own speech being delivered. But not by me, <laughs> by my younger brother. <laughs> I never let him speak first again after that. <laughs> but that was Bob, always the rascal. Some people I know are worried about politics nowadays. I say we're too divided. But if Bob and I could campaign for different parties. Oh, Bob was a Democrat, and you all know I've always been a staunch Republican. Well, if we could run on different tickets yet, both serve this state and our communities honorably, well, then I think we'll be all right. Maybe we just need some more fiddle music, hmm? <laughs> I see Bob everywhere in this town. Most recently, I've seen him on the Chester Inn's porch, deciding where the best seat is and how he can beat me to it. <laughs> but you know, I wonder how many other people are here too? How many people who used to live here, work here, vacation here, are they all in this town with us? Well, if so, I hope Bob is telling them a good joke. <laughs> oh, he had some whoppers, Bob did, and uh, some colossal duds, too. <laughs> I am 82 now, maybe joining my brother in these next few years, but now I'm... I'm tasked with accepting these monuments. So if you all will kindly excuse me, I'm heading to the Chester to get my room for the night and put the final polish on my remarks for tomorrow. I hope to see you all then. Thank you. Thank you, Alf, for that delightful trip through time. Katie, we've got one of these new language translators, so we're able to bring a story to stage we might not otherwise be able to. Oh, well, that's wonderful, Jason. Where is this person from? Oh, that's just it. It's not a person. Beg pardon? It's a dog. Finn, oh. a fun-loving, purebred East Tennessee yard dog and family pet. We've got a story about Finn's favorite things. Because dogs have favorite things, too. Hey, Finn. Want to play football? 
go long. Football? Football! Football's my favorite. Oh, I love my football. It goes further than the other balls. I've got to go catch it. I've got to... Wait, what, what's that? My squeaky toy? Oh, I love my squeaky toy. Ben, what is this? This isn't your football. Oh, you want me to throw it? Go get it. Oh, I love my squeaky toy. It's got to be my favorite. It makes me... Uh, it squeaks and it whiz squishes and I got it. I'm going to take it back to Mama. Oh, eh, oh and th there's my rope. I love my rope. Finn, where's your squeaky toy? Okay, okay, rope it is. I love tug a rope, and it's my favorite. I can shake my head and use my cheeks, and, and my cheeks just flap against my teeth, and Mom even lets me growl at her. Oops, she got the rope. Don't throw it. Don't, don't she threw it into the beanbag. Well, go get it, go get it. Now there's only one thing to do. <laughs> Jump into the beanbag. <laughs> Jumping on the beanbag's the best. And you can roll around in them and they crinkle, and you can bury stuff under them. Under the beanbag. Wait, wait a minute. Yep, there it is, my bone. <laughs> I love my bone. Remember, I buried it under the beanbag to keep it safe because it was my favorite Christmas present. Oh. I love Christmas. It's my favorite. I love Santa at the pet store and the stockings and the candy cane bones and the presents. Wait, wait, what's that? What's behind me? What just moved? I got to get it. Why, why can't I see it? Did you find your tail, Finn? My tail? Oh, I got to get my tail. How is this so fast? So fast. Hey, sunlight. I like sunlight. Um, maybe I'll just lie down right here. Well, Finn, looks like you've worn yourself out. I like napping in the sun. I like the warmth and the heat and the stretching. Oh, yeah, the stretching and the dreaming. Dreaming is my favorite. Everybody... Maybe everybody's uh, favorite is something like this, but dreaming is my favorite. Life is pretty good. I mean, have you ever tried peanut butter? Ugh, yeah, that's good stuff. <laughs> Finn, I'm home. Boy? Boy? Is that my boy? <laughs> is he really home? Hey, boy, I missed you. My boy! My mom! Oh, this is my favorite! You're a good boy, Finn. Good dog. You're a good boy, Joseph. Good boy. Oh, I'm with Finn. I think family's my favorite, too. My favorite things are a collection of letters. All in my father's handwriting. I was born when he was off at war, fighting overseas. The first letter he sent to me when I was a baby. And as the war dragged on, I got older, and he still wrote letters to me. It's how I knew him. Almost every single one says, I'll be home soon, and then we'll all be together. We'll be a family again soon. So, be a good girl. Help your mommy with your brothers. Love you. Daddy. I love pulling these letters out and seeing that handwriting, the clear block letters he always wrote in. 
That was a military thing. I knew his handwriting before I even knew his face. He's gone now, but I've got his letters. Each year at Christmas and on my birthday, I pull those letters out and read them. They are my presents to myself. I keep seeing those words over and over again. One day, we'll be together again, and I believe it. He's gone, but one day I know we will all be together again, our whole family, and nothing will keep us apart after that. fluttered to her neck when they saw me, warming where I would rest on my delicate chain just below the divot of her collarbone. Pearls, but can we afford them? Tenderly, she lifted me, resting me on her rough fingers as her thumb rolled me over and the silver leaf at my side. Her fingernails were mauve and long and oval, their smoothness making it easy to unlatch my clasp. They slid me around her neck, letting me fall on the spot she had warmed. Every night, her fingers slid me off and hung me next to others. And every morning, I would return to the divot below her collarbone. Over time, her skin began to loosen around her neck, and I could no longer find the spot she had warmed for me. Her flesh became thin, and I could feel her wavering breaths beneath it. Her fingernails still remained perfect ovals, but could no longer open my clasp. Here, Nana, let me help you. I can get it. It's okay, I don't mind. She may have been young, but her nails were short and uneven. Eventually, other necklaces were chosen, ones without clasp, ones where help wasn't needed. Until one day... I think Mother would want you to have this. What is it? Well, dry your eyes and look. I can't. It's so beautiful. She took me lightly in her hands. Her fingers were soft and smooth. Her thumb slowly rolled over me and the tarnished leaf at my side. But it must be worth so much. I know she'd want you to have it. I recognized her short, uneven fingernails as they unclasped my latch and draped my silver chain around her neck, a neck so small I fell well below her collarbone, landing above her heart. There I could feel her pulse, her excitement at first kisses and the sorrow at heartbreak, the unsteady pulse of anticipation and the jostling laughter of friendship. All of it happened just beneath me until my tired chain wore out. Here it is, I found it. She lifted me cautiously from the ground, her thumb caressing me. Just until I can afford a new chain. The box was cloth and heart-shaped and incredibly dark inside. On occasion, it would open and a stray earring would drop in to be forgotten. Sometimes she would lift me up, her thumb rolling across me. One day, I'll be able to afford just the right chain. And then the lid would close again leaving me in darkness, until the day it didn't. That day, as her thumb rolled over me, I noticed her fingers had grown rough. Tenderly, she slid me onto a chain and draped me around her neck. The skin there was looser and caused me to fall just below the divot in her collarbone. 
She moved in front of the mirror. Her fingers fluttered to me, warming the flesh around me. Once her fingers drifted away, I caught a glimpse of us in the mirror, and I couldn't help but whisper, oh my lands. My mother kept recipes, handwritten on the back of envelopes, torn corners of notepads, whatever paper was handy, she would write down a recipe for anything she tried that was new, that she liked, that the family liked, and would eventually want to cook again. She kept them inside an old cookbook her mother-in-law gave her. I went through it one weekend and pulled out about 75 handwritten recipes. I thought about typing them up first, but then I thought, no. I pieced them together in her handwriting into a little booklet and have copies made. Now I could share them with my brothers and my sisters. The secret recipes my mom made in her own writing, these were the meals and desserts and wonderful joys she created to feed her family. It wasn't just about ingredients, it was about care and joy she took in making something we all loved. She wanted to remember how to do it again, but the real secret ingredient isn't just carefully remembers teaspoons and portions or this or that. Her secret was her love and her care. And that's what made everything so special. There must be something about food that stays as a lasting favorite memory. Our daughter had moved out almost a month ago from the old family home that my sister and I grew up in. It was now empty, and the grass was becoming unkempt. I own the little college now since Mom had passed away, but to me, it would always be Mom's house. I called my sister over, and while I was waiting, I stood on the small porch, and the memories of a lifetime kept flooding back. The years of sitting on the porch in the evening, telling about the early years, remembering her stories about when automobiles were few and the panther and the wildcat still roamed the mountains in front of the house. Those were the days when whippoorwills could be heard in the evening around dusk. Growing up, this was the only place I had ever lived. Mom and Dad had moved from Bumpus Cove shortly after I was born. We didn't want to leave Grandma alone, so we convinced her to come and live with us. The house we moved into was small, but you know, small is the perfect place for closeness and happiness. My sister arrived and pulled me out of my daydream, but only for a moment. As I opened the door and went into the living room, one could almost hear the conversations of the occupants and the smell of fresh forest that drifted through the open windows. Look. The old oil stove that was in the room, it's gone, but the faint smell of pungent oil permeated the whole wooden floors. Doesn't it remind you of the cold winter days when we gathered around the stove? Yeah, and I remember when it was really cold going into the kitchen with Mom. That's where Mom and Grandma made the wonderful meals that I looked forward to. The cat head biscuits and the wonderful garden produce were made using my closely guarded secret recipes. Grandma was a most wonderful cook. My expertise came from raising a house full of children and feeding them three meals a day. 
She would take a handful of flour, a little sugar, a couple of eggs, and make a stack cake that was five or six layers. She would put anything from jelly to apple butter between the stacks. I'd always ask what made them taste so wonderful, but she would only smile and tell me, It's part of my secret recipe. Apparently, Mom also had a few of these secret recipes. The Christmas fudge that she so proudly made was excellent. I wanted to know exactly what she used and how it was done, but she would never give away the secret recipe that she used to make it. So smooth and so tasty. Her famous recipe was the deep dish strawberry cobbler. That must have used double secrets on that one because it was always requested for the church potlucks dinners. The food prepared from mom and grandma were simple dishes that were perfected and time-tested for years. They always assured me, I'll share our secret recipes. Don't you worry. When the time is right, you'll have them. But time slipped away. We never took the opportunity to sit with them and record the recipes for those wonderful treats. But that day, as we were clearing mom's things away, we found a box. Look, what's this? Let's open it. In the very back of the box, covered with paper, was a small wooden box. On the front of the box, in small letters, was Mom's Secret Recipes. And now here's Nancy. <laughs> my, my favorite thing I'll have to say is my childhood home, which I ended up buying later. I raised my own children there. Let me tell you how it happened. My husband worked at the bank in Jonesboro, but I was a teacher at Jonesboro Elementary School. I taught kindergarten and first grade. A house came up for sale on East Main Street. My husband, one day at his lunchtime, came to see me at school, and he said, I need to talk to you about something. There's a house for sale. Uh, the lady has died, and I think it would be good for us to look at it. It's a good buy because it's going to be a foreclosure. She doesn't have family and, and so on. My parents, in the meantime, were living in the house that we live in now. Well, we went to see the principal, Mr. Henley, and to ask him if we could go look at the house during my lunchtime and see if he would cover my classes, and he agreed to that very quickly. I'll come over and cover your classes, he said, and so we went and we looked at the house and made a snap decision. Yes, we're going to buy this house. We decided we were going to make a down payment on the house that day. But that night, my daddy came to see us, and he said, We want to talk with you about something. Your mom and I are getting older. We don't need this big house that we're living in now. We don't even need a garden space. We definitely don't need this big field behind the house to raise a calf to put into the freezer for the winter. Would you consider buying our house? and letting us buy this house that you're looking at? And, you know, it just happened that way, and we said, well, sure, because their house was built for little girls to grow up in. My sisters and I at first, and there we had our little girls, and so our daughters grew up in the house that I'd grown up in. The house holds all of my favorite memories as a child and as an adult with children of my own. As the holder of these memories, that's why my house is my favorite thing.
My mother had a tea set collection that was passed down to her. When I got to be in third grade, she trusted me with it. I don't mean the big size tea sets for grown-ups, but tiny porcelain children's tea sets. They were very fancy. Some had flowers, some had colored stripes. My favorite was a tea set that was blue, and it had a dragon, white and gold, on the teapot and the cups, a raised dragon made out of pottery. She got this set when she lived in Japan. I only took it out with my most special friends, the ones I knew that were careful and wouldn't break them. It was so special. It was kept in a wooden box with straw. I think the straw came all the way from Japan too. I take care of my mom's tea sets the same way I take care of my little brother and sister, very carefully, especially the dragon one. I brought the set out one day and my aunt said it must be worth a fortune. I was so happy when my mom said she would never sell it and neither will I. I'll always keep it. Some things are too special, even for money. been telling stories tonight about favorite things. These are real life stories we've collected from around the region and our cast has been performing them. But I thought it might be fun to put our cast on the spot and ask them, not as actors portraying our community members, but just as themselves. So tell me, what is one of your favorite things? My brother and sister-in-law, Terry and Sandy. Always life with my expanded family. Riding in a hot air balloon. Christmas breakfast with my family. Making scrapbooks for my family. High school football on Friday nights in the fall. Crocheting snowflakes. Dancing with my friends. Boxer dogs. They have these little slobbery jaws. They're just so cute. <laughs> these rubber words creating community. Reading stories to young children. Home-cooked meals with friends. Cornicup in Jonesboro, Tennessee. Our national parks. Volunteer at Rev Toy Theater. Carmel Field M&Ms. <laughs> my library and my pretty place in Cataloochee Valley. My wife's cooking. <laughs> Getting to be back in Tennessee once again. Being a grandma. I feel like I know just a little bit more about you all. Thank you for that glimpse into your favorites. And Jason, do you know what my favorite is? What's that, Katie? That we get to do another season of these stories. And they are all my favorite. Me too, Katie. Well, that looks like that's all the time we have in our show tonight. We'd like to thank our sponsors, the Tennessee Arts Commission, those wild women of Jonesboro, Nancy Hope and Odie Major, and Main Street Cafe and Catering. And we'd like to especially thank you, our listening audience. Be sure to tune in on the last Wednesday of the month at 8 p.m. on 89.5 FM WETS to hear our program or listen online to WETS.org on HD Channel 1. Good night, everyone, and please join us in the lobby for our opening gala. 